Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page with you as always. And today, it's the what the heck just happened edition of this Four-team blockbuster trade sending James Harden to Brooklyn to pair with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, well, probably Kyrie Irving, in what's a uh, potentially a contender and a huge threat out of the East, but we've got questions. And to answer all those questions, I'm just going to lean on Dan Feldman. Dan, you're the answer man today. You just have to have every answer. Sure. No problem. (laughs) From how you doing, Dan? I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad. Not bad. This was a little bit of a crazy day yesterday it started pretty early that that the look after what had moved at a glacial pace uh climate change caught up with this thing it moved pretty fast over the last 48 hours and suddenly it's the 76ers and the nets the two teams that were kind of always at the top of the james harden trade list from your perspective and i think we'll start here obviously what sean marks uh, i'm sorry what Raphael stone in houston wanted was the picks he got some players back he's got you know and he traded karis laverty picks up victor oladipo but clearly the center pick the center part of this package is the picks and for people who don't know that's four first round picks the houston gets the nets first round picks unprotected in 22 24 and 26 plus the 2022 bucks first round pick from cleveland and four pick swaps, 21, 23, 25, and 27. Would you have preferred that, or would you have preferred the bird in hand that is Ben Simmons, an all-star level player, I mean, with, let's say, Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thybul, uh, and, and fewer picks, maybe one or two? Would, I mean, obviously, we don't know the fringes of that deal, but would you have a strong preference one way or the other? I wouldn't have a strong preference, and that's why the, the fringes matter, right? It yeah. Was Maxi in that trade how many first-round picks from Philadelphia? Did P.J. Tucker have to go back to the 76ers? Uh, by keeping him, the Rockets can trade him somewhere else for a positive return. We'll see how, exactly how much that is. So I, I do think it's close enough that the fringes do matter, so I don't think we can say emphatically which offer was better. I think one of the big complicated Ben Simmons was a, is a more valuable piece than anything Houston got. Uh, so assuming they would have gotten less, Otherwise, but there are a lot of complications in getting Ben Simmons. He's already a good player and he doesn't really fit at all with John Wall and John Wall's big contract makes him tough to move, but John Wall's playing surprisingly well this season. Like, you know, he looks athletic like he used to almost. Uh, And so how do you fit those two together while you have them? Like, where do you go with Ben Simmons? There's a lot of complications. I do want to push back on one thing you said, which was, we know Raphael Stone wanted the picks. Maybe, uh, 
I'm far more confident that Tillman Fertitta wanted the offer that got his team out of the luxury tax. Uh, picks don't count against the luxury <laughs> tax. And so that might have had something to do with it. Maybe Raphael Stone would have preferred the Ben Simmons package. I, I think that's at least possible. Uh, what I am sure of, though, is I would have preferred a version of the Nets offer uh, where I got Jared Allen, where I got Karis LeVert, yes. where I wasn't getting Victor Oladipo instead, where I wasn't getting a Bucks. Uh, first round pick uh, next year instead. Like I would have rather had Allen and Levert or flip them for better value somewhere else. Like I don't think those were the right moves not to take them yourself. Yeah. You and I are on the same page with that one. We've talked about this a little bit before, and I had this in winners and losers. I like the pick package because I think it goes far enough out when you're talking about James Hart. I, I don't, how long do you really think this is going to hold together and be strong in Brooklyn? I mean, this picks go out to 2026, a swap in 2027, when these guys are 35, 36, 37 years old. Uh, if they're all still there, I don't know that this team contends in the same way. And these might be really nice picks way down the line, maybe. I mean, we don't know, but I don't think that part of it's that bad. But you're right. To me, it's like, I like Jared Allen. And yes, you've got Christian Wood, but you could have gotten more for Jared Allen. And I just, I like Karis LeVert more than I like Victor Oladipo right now, Victor's maybe a slightly more efficient score, but I just, I guess you're betting that Victor Oladipo is going to return to his all NBA form. And I see no evidence that he's going to be back to being that guy. Right. I mean, there's some limited evidence. He's playing a lot better this season than he did last year coming off injury. That's progress, but still a long way to go to get back to his peak level. And it's tough to figure out where he's going to be. And boom, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason unless you extend him. Yes. Either way, figuring out within the next, uh, I don't know, half a year, how much to pay him, whether you want to keep him, whether you should put him, that's not an easy choice. The Rockets invited that dilemma, and they've got to figure it out correctly. They did, and I'm with you. Like Victor Oladipo wanted to get paid. I don't know how much reality is sinking in with him that he is not going to get anywhere near max money at this point. You um, sure? Uh, well, it is a down, it is a down, it is now a down free agent class, right? Like the Ky, uh, Kawhi Leonard is still out there, although most people expect him to now resign with the Clippers. And beyond that, Paul George, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're all off the table. So the top end of the market's a little more thin, but I still, I just can't see anybody maxing out Victor Oladipo. I mean, he, he's got the rest of the season to get his value back up, right? He's yes. on, As we were just saying, he's on the right track. He's playing better than he did last year, and maybe he'll can yeah. play even better the rest of the season. Like, as he's playing right now, no. But I, I'm very open to the possibility he plays a lot better the rest of the year as he you know gets more distance from his injury. Yeah, it's possible. I'm just, I'm, I'm less convinced. And again, I would rather have taken Karis LeVert under contract for two more years, two years younger. Uh, just... Uh, and Karis LeVert is a second uh, to me. He's I thought Brooklyn used him in a great role. Like if you're a good team and you're using him as to come off the bench and go get some, not terribly efficient, but go get some buckets. I think that there's there's some Lou Williams type of role for him there, right? Like or, uh, maybe not Lou Williams this year, but his <laughs> last couple of years kind of role would actually he's something he could thrive in as LeVert, or he can start he plays average. With Durant nerving out, he averaged 31 points a game over those three games. He, he's capable of putting together games like that where I just, I don't know. I just trust that more than I trust Victor Oladipo right now. But we'll see how it fits. Uh, Oladipo and Wall might be an interesting pairing with 
the you know wood in the center and I mean are they still in a playoff position? I mean, let me rephrase that. They're not in a playoff position right now. Can they fight their way into the at least the uh, the play in? Yeah, they're in the mix, right? I mean, they'll they'll be a lot happier without the the dark cloud of James Harden hanging over them. That clearly yes. got miserable. Yeah, Demarcus Cousins put it very well. He's like, from the outside, it looked like it got miserable at the end, but it's been that way all year. They've been dealing with that. That doesn't help, but they are far less talented. James Harden is a really darn good player, even this year. Like, he was one of the best players in the league this season on the whole. Had a play slip lately? Yeah, uh, maybe because he hurt his ankle, maybe because he's pouting, maybe, maybe most likely some of both. Uh, he was still really good on balance, a big part of why the Rockets are as good as they've been. Uh, so it's a downgrade. There's no question. That's why they got the picks. Uh, I, I don't expect much from the Rockets the rest of the season, but being on the fringe of the play in mix, sure. Yeah, I think that they, they can go into that. For Brooklyn, you're all in right now, right? Like you're all in on the next two, and if you can resign some guys three, four years, right? You you have to contend. You have to pay the price tax-wise. You're all in. And you wrote about this this morning offensively. <laughs> I, I, I'm with, I'm in the belief. Uh, I kind of agree with Mike D'Antoni, uh, Nets assistant coach, who said in Houston about Chris Paul and Harden. Great players have a way of figuring out how to play together. I tend to think that's true. I tend to think that Harden, Durant, and Irving are all capable of playing off ball. And if that's the case, I think that they can put together a you know league best type of offense in in Brooklyn. Well, it's interesting you bring up that comment. Did James Harden and Chris Paul figure out how to play together? Uh, you know, we can have a whole debate on that, right? It looked really good for a while. They, they were a really darn good team. The best challenger to the Kevin Durant Warriors that we saw. But it also didn't work at all because James Harden wanted Chris Paul gone. He couldn't stand him. Like, yeah. great players don't always figure out how to play together. It doesn't always work like that. There are egos involved. These are three great scorers in Brooklyn. I don't think there's ever been a trio of teammates who can score like this. But the game is so much more than scoring. Uh, th- there's outsized attention on scoring. Scoring is important. Don't get me wrong. But it, it, it's not everything. And they've got to figure out the rest. And uh, that's going to be difficult possible yeah. difficult uh by the way i i just want to throw in i just i meant to say this earlier we're kind of looking at this right now with the assumption kyrie irving returns and the kyrie irving situation is a wild card um if this was kyrie irving insurance you look at this trade slightly differently dan yeah i mean yes <laughs> yes i do uh yeah it's far less complicated um, but the Nets w- will have a far lower ceiling without Kyrie Irving. He's a real oh, talented absolutely. player. Like whatever fit concerns you have, uh, he does raise their ceiling. He absolutely does. And I still kind of were expecting he comes back I, again. When I broke it out for winners and losers, I said the Nets offense wins, but the Nets defense loses. It's not been good the last couple of weeks already. Um, injuries play into that. Um, Kevin Durant is a a good, long, capable defender. Kyrie Irving probably put in more energy on that end than we've seen so far this year in the last, than we've seen from him in the last couple of years. Anyway, Uh, James Harden doesn't help your defense and you just traded away your best rim protector, your best defender period. I, I, I'm not sure Brooklyn's good enough defensively to be the kind of team they want to be. If they're going to be able to, are they going to be able to get stops second round, third, you know, conference finals type of a playoffs or not? I, I don't know that they're going to get enough. 
Yeah, I'm not confident in that. Again, that's why I put it impossible, uh, but yeah. not necessarily likely. Um, but maybe they can just outscore teams and uh, play small and fast and, and create matchup problems and, and tilt the game in a, in a way. Like, it's possible. Uh, but no, I got major defensive concerns. No, but, but again, the roster is not finished, right? I mean, they... Yeah, it can't be. They, they know that. They're... They know what they're looking for. They know what they need. They they clearly know what their timeline is. Like you said, the, the window is right now. And if you can re-sign guys, it's a little longer than that. But but they're not looking to, you know, stretch this out. They're going right in right now. So if you can, uh, they don't have too much left to, to move. Yeah. But whatever young players, second round picks, whatever you have not nailed down to, to trade for frontline defensive rebounding help, they know what they need. Centers are the position you can probably fill. You're not going to, I don't know that you're going to land anyone as good as Jarrett Allen, but it is a position where you can get a competent uh, guy fairly cheaply who can, who can soak up some minutes and, and be useful. Um, yeah. I think their bigger problems are more like defensive wing, the bench help. There's just not a ton of depth. And I, I get it. You can stagger You can have one of the great scorers in the game on the floor at every, all 48 minutes if you want it. Um, you have two of them on the floor for all 48 minutes if you want. Yeah, depending on how you stagger the minutes. But uh, yeah, unless Steve Nash is going to continue to just add Harden to the – I mean, he had Irving and Durant pretty synced up for the yeah. start of the season. I, I'm not, I, I don't think he's going to do that with all three of them. He's got to find a way to kind of, uh, again, stagger that just to keep guys on the floor. But – that said, I still just I'm not convinced they get when it gets down to playing Miami and Minnesota. I mean Minnesota, Milwaukee, not Minnesota. They can beat Minnesota, uh, <laughs> Milwaukee. Man, Minnesota is a whole. There's a whole other podcast of problems there. Uh, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, Boston. Who Boston has looked pretty good until they got you know felled by COVID so much. Um, that's a really those teams can defend and play on both ends. And I'm, I'm not sure if Brooklyn gets enough stops in a series to beat them four games out of seven. They can win any one game by shooting themselves over the top. Can they win a, a couple of series that way? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think the odds are against them, but it's possible. That said, yeah. uh, to give the Nets some credit, I guess, I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe's podcast with Chris Herring, and Zach asked the question of, you know, hey, the, the Nets gave up these these young players. They gave up three first-round picks, four swaps, or all that. Did they increase their championship odds by enough to justify yeah. sending out so much? And I think the answer is no in a vacuum, right, that – yeah, I think the Nets' upside is a little higher. I think their championship odds yeah. are a little better with this. But you also can't just wait around for the perfectly supporting player. They got a superstar in James Harden. Their championship odds are higher. Uh, they paid a huge price to do it, but they did increase their championship odds, I think. All the questions you have are valid about can they defend, can they can they win enough playoff series playing this way? But their championship odds are higher. They're a much more talented team now. Uh a ton of offensive firepower. There's a lot of disaster potential, but championships are decided on the upside, not your median outcome. Right. And what are you going to do? I mean, you can say, oh, you know who would be a better fit for them is Bradley Beal, except you want to wait around to see if and when Bradley Beal's available. And if so, you're going to be in the bidding with, again, Miami and other teams, Denver, whoever else wants to get in on that. And you're going to take that chance. This was a deal they knew they could get. And you're right. Look, they are better. They've still, 
talent wins out at the end of the day in the NBA. And this talent, this team has now championship level talent with, they brought back the big three. We're done. We're done with this duo thing, Dan. Big threes are back. Well, they were always going to be, I mean, they were championship caliber. I thought, I thought before so. this trade. I thought so. And I'm not sure. Did they mar? I thought they got marginally better and gave up a lot of assets to do it. From, from Houston's perspective, you had to get rid of him. I guess you're now kind of, are you keeping wood and you eventually try to move wall and you start thinking long-term I I'm with, I, I, they have their picks and much like Oklahoma city, are they going to, I would look, I think Oklahoma city's greatest value with the 4,684 picks they've got over the next few years is their own, right? Like they're just probably, they've been a little frisky this year, but they're not a great team and they should have a really high draft pick. I don't know if Houston's going to be that team. They might be a little too good for it. Yeah, they're too good for it right now. We'll see what other pieces they unload, what they can unload. I mean, they're, they're kind of in the middle ground right now. They've got the optionality to go multiple directions. It's always nice to have all those picks as you're plotting which way to go. Trading John Wall is not going to be easy anytime soon. Uh, his contract is, is just too, too big, as well as he's been playing this year. Yeah. Uh, so you just kind of trudge ahead. It. It's not like we often criticize teams for, oh, they got into mediocrity, the treadmill of mediocrity. It's hard to get out. That is valid sometimes. But I'm not killing the Rockets here. They built a team to contend for a championship around James Harden. James Harden didn't want to be there. You can't suddenly turn into a new rebuilding, tanking team overnight. Like yeah. once once you spent all these years going down this path of trying to win around James Harden, it's going to take some time to go in a new direction, whatever that is. It, you know, the Rockets deserve some some time to figure out what that what direction that is. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do think ultimately they, they kind of rebuild and they Christian Woods young, relatively, you can, you've got him locked up for a few years. You can put them there. Um, I expect that we will see PJ. That is the one guy that there was interest in even before this. I expect PJ Tucker to be moved by the deadline to a, if not an outright contender, a playoff team somewhere. Oh, sure. I mean, at his age, he's uh, headed toward free agency. No reason for the Rockets to, to keep him around if they get a reasonable yeah. offer. And I, I expect they will. He's a, he's a good player. Yeah. Again, that is a guy who can help a team in the playoffs, both defensively hits corner threes, knows his role plays within himself. There, there, there will be a market for him. And then do you, can you train Eric? You know, like you've got uh, Eric Gordon. It's a, that's a much bigger contract and a much, a little bit harder to move, but there might be interest. It might be an off season thing, but there might be interest there. Yeah, I, I'd imagine they would ask around about moving him. I, I don't know if somebody wants him, but, you know, his play is so up and down, yeah. uh, depending on how healthy he is, how, how he's going streakiness-wise. Uh, you, you find the just right moment where a team needs him. Maybe you can find something. It, it potentially is out there. So I'll tell you, among the teams when I was looking at this, I really kind of – Indiana ends up with Karis LeVert out of this. I like that. Again, I've been higher on we, you and I were both higher on Houston keeping Levert long term over kind of switching in for Oladipo. I kind of like the idea of Levert next to Malcolm Brogdon making something even slightly better in Indiana, and they've been playing pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's, it was a good move for the Pacers to get somebody who you know who's locked up with his contract. I, again, it's a big dilemma about what to do with Oladipo. 
he yeah. was really, really good. I thought he was underrated uh, at his peak. I didn't think he got enough credit for how good he was offensively and defensively. There were a few players uh, who could score like him, but also defend like him uh, for, for the Pacers to figure out, can he get back to that? Or is his injury going to hamper his athleticism? Does he even want to be in Indiana? Like all these dilemmas, they were just magnified for the Pacers as big as they were for the, are for the Rockets, as we were talking about. So yeah, to get a nice, you know, youngish player in Levert, but most importantly locked up under contract long-term, I really like it for Indiana. I do too. I, I think that this just fits with them. They Bjorkman's got them running some interesting offense, but I think you hit the nail on the head in that. Dan Oladipo was a free agent this year. He has kind of talked about moving on unless he was getting almost overpaid in Indiana and they're just better doing it this way whether it was Levert or someone else, they were better off trading him getting pieces that fit now that can help them win a little now and, and be a little better version of themselves and not have to deal with the Oladipo headache. You know, that's somebody else's problem next off season and, We'll see how it goes. He, by the way, Oladipo has been linked in rumors to Miami. That's an interesting fit. If he could, their conditioning program put him back closer to who he was. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the issue is him being out of shape or anything. I think no, it's just, no, it's not just. But I mean, could his could they push his recovery to levels that other teams are not able to get him to? There's there's been players who have gone to Miami and kind of Phoenix used to be this way too. They suddenly perk up and I don't know if it's the warmer weather or what, but some, some guys thrive in that. Sure. Um, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I wouldn't overpay for him though. If I'm Miami, I've got, if I'm Miami, I'm, I am, by the way, I am all in on the, I'm a shark circling Bradley Beal. That's that's a guy I think I would be targeting, and they've got the young players to potentially go get him. But that's a that's a podcast for another day, and if and when Beal becomes available, um, Cleveland. Uh, by the way, I think uh, the tweet of the day went to uh, Larry Nance Jr., who now said Sexland is surrounded by trees. <laughs> uh, they're they're calling Sexton uh, Darius Garland backcourt now. They've got. They already had a, a really nice center core that was playing well for them. Andre Drummond has been having a nice season. Uh, they're asking a little more of him. He's done a little more playmaking. He's had a couple of shacking moments, <laughs> shacked moments with some just rather hard, but, but he's also actually played pretty well. Um, Isaac Okoro is stepping up for them, having some good moments. Now they add, they had, anyway, they had Drummond, they had JaVale McGee, and now you add Jarrett Allen into that mix. My guess is that they're looking to trade Drummond. Right to, to a contest, somebody's going to want. Uh, they, they've been somebody's going to want a center, and they might try to move him on. Yeah, I mean, it, if they can, they'd probably be open to it. It definitely seems like Jared Allen is now the the center of the future there. Yes, uh, but if, if Drummond just leaves in free agency next summer, like if you don't find a trade because it can be tricky with his contract with his salary so high. Uh, if you don't find a trade, whatever, like let's not turn Andre Drummond and JaVale McGee into more than they are, right? Like they are not centers that for a young team building for the long term, you got to worry about, uh, the Cavaliers had a great offer fall into their laps. I, it seems like, uh, to trade what's going to be a late first round pick to get a nice young center and Jared Allen, you do it. And whatever happens with Drummond or JaVale McGee, whatever. Exactly. And by the way, if your problem is you've got too much talent at one position, so 
Like you can move it, right? Like I would, you don't draft, you don't in this case make the trade. Like you said, this was a good trade for them. You don't make the trade thinking, yeah, but we've already got centers. We don't really need, no, you stockpile as much talent as you can. And if you have to move off of some of it, so be it. Um, Jared Allen is, like you said, younger, um, under contract for a while, and you can fit him with uh, what what has the potential. That's a the Colin Sexton, Darius Garland backcourt. If he can just stay healthy and on the court together for a while, has shown flashes of potential. Dan, I mean, there's 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 reason for hope if you're a Cavaliers fan. Sure, even more now. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, for me, Brooklyn becomes the focus of this, and the question is. Assuming Kyrie Irving comes back, did it get them where they want to go? I, there's there are other aspects we've kind of overlooked here. I mean, I, th- I think we've hit on them. All, all the teams involved. I mean, Kyrie Irving is the big mystery yes. surrounding this, but I, I don't think it changes it way too much, right? Like either you needed uh, James Harden as the second star, or you know he raises your ceiling, not in pecking order, but as the third star to come on board. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to get into i don't know like we can discuss fit and then if you want to make your there's only one basketball joke you know go for it but again i just kind of think those three stars will figure out some level of balance in the short term um, eventually somebody will be frustrated to move on because all three of them have shown that history in the past but i guess that comes back to the howard beck uh, wrote a great piece at si now back howard beck's at si now uh, but wrote a great piece about is Harden willing to make the sacrifices needed to be a championship player? Is he willing to give up touches and do some of the things that he's not as fond of? I, I think that question can be asked of everybody in Brooklyn, although Durant has kind of done that, wanted out of it after he did it for a few years, but won a couple rings doing that. Irving pretty much did it next to LeBron. Um, Harden's also the guy that has a question. What? Kyrie Irving also wanted out, right? That I mean, yeah. both Durant and Irving did it, but they got away from it when they could, and, yeah. and so the question still lingers. Yeah, Harden exactly. hasn't done it. At and least Harden not hasn't done it, and that's since he's Yeah, they're all going to say the right thing. Uh, this was something. Are they? I th- well, I think they'll say it at first. Um, uh, let's hear Kyrie Irving say anything before we <laughs> yeah, yeah, give everything the right thing. Right. Um, and by the way, this is something that seemed to be player driven um, from the start, right? This seems like this is something Kevin Durant really wanted and Brooklyn, Brooklyn goes along with it to keep him happy or Brooklyn thinks this is a good idea. What's the difference, right? <laughs> Keeping Kevin Durant happy is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and by the way, Kevin Durant, if not looking completely like his pre-injury self is Pretty darn close to it, Dan. He has been very impressive so far this season. Right. That's part of the reason you, you go for a move like this. Uh, Kevin Durant is holding up his end of the park, and he is playing like the superstar you wanted, and you know, you've know you got to do what you can to maximize your championship chance while he's still in his prime. Right, and that Kevin Durant is a guy who has who has won rings and, frankly, was the best team player on those Warriors teams um, uh, in the finals those couple of years. He is a guy whose game – that's the advantage of the Kevin Durant game, right? Like he can do all this great stuff during the regular season, but when it gets to the playoffs and at some point you just need, I just need somebody who can beat somebody and get a bucket. Kevin Durant is a guy who can just beat anybody and get a bucket. Cause he's seven feet tall and shoots over his head and can hit it from anywhere. 
and so because he's that, uh, what is James Harden bringing to the table? Because he's theoretically, that guy also hasn't done it in the playoffs, but that's theoretically what he's supposed to do and hasn't shown enough interest in doing the other things. Uh, so what is he bringing? I think that's a, a fundamental question. Very capable of playing off the ball. Uh, has not chosen to do that uh, in yeah. we're going on about almost a decade now. Uh you know, he can defend better than he does, but he's often disinterested defensively when it's not, especially off the ball. Like, he, he needs to be more interested in, in those things. Yeah. You know what he brings? 35% on step-back threes is what he brings. Um, not, not when Kevin Durant is your, your guy taking those big shots, though. Right. And Kyrie Irving is full. By the way, uh, Kyrie Irving fully capable of hitting big shots. I don't know if you knew that, Dan. Uh, he's, he's hit one or two in his career. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Steve Nash. I think Steve Nash might have the right personality if anybody's going to be able to mesh this there. He's got that kind of even keel, competitive, has their respect, but isn't. Um, like, I'm not sure if a really demonstrative Stan Van Gundy kind of coach is the guy you need there, as opposed to somebody who can kind of find a way to keep everybody on the same page and be a little more. Um, put my arm around you type of coach. Uh, we'll see how that goes though. It's it's, I do not envy the coaching staff's job. there trying to keep those three guys happy. Yeah. It's going to be real tough for Kyrie Irving. <laughs> it might be, it might be, uh, we can't do a podcast Dan without talking briefly about the coronavirus and it's kind of impacts in the league. Uh, my, I know that there's people out there that have talked about, look, first off, they're just not going back to the bubble. They're not paying for it. The player's, really didn't want to do it. We're not returning to the bubble era. Would you consider them doing, do you think they'd consider it again for the playoffs or do you, I mean, it's so far out. I don't think that they'd consider it right now. And their hope is that by that point, it's less of an issue. Yeah, exactly. I I think the first hope is by that point in the year, uh, enough people are vaccinated where it's safer. Uh, But, you know, postponing games, having, having positive testing in the playoffs would be a bigger problem. And, you know, a- asking players to do it again for a shorter period of time, I do think is more possible, right? All, all yeah. the reasons it won't happen, you just said, uh, but asking to do it for a shorter period of time, that that helps. And, you know, the people who have to stay the longest in a playoff bubble, at least they're winning, right? Like, it, it balances yeah. out. As you get to go home, it's not so bad. Uh, to stay, you're, you're at least getting closer to a championship. Yeah, and I think that that actually benefits some – some mentally tough teams, Lakers in, in Heat, for example, last year. But I don't know that we're going to be there. I think that I, by that point, I'm I'm with you. The league hopes, I think we all hope that things are a little closer to, uh, if not controlled, at least contained a little bit. Um, we'll see where we are. But in the short term, they're not going to pause either because, Dan, sending players home is not going to solve your Hey. Just why don't you leave the structure of the system and the daily testing and go nuts for about two weeks and we'll come then we'll bring you back. Like it, there's already players kind of thumbing their nose at this privately and publicly a little bit like, I, I don't know that you're going to, uh, I, I just don't say, I don't think pausing solves your problems. You're just going to have to power through this much like the NFL and NHL did. Yeah. I mean, the rate of players contracting coronavirus ha- has been seemingly way higher uh, when they're not with their teams, uh, you're exactly right. Sending them home for a week or two uh, probably just makes your problems worse. Uh, but there are problems. 
it's not a great situation right now. Uh, j- yeah. Just because the problems would be bigger with a pause, maybe uh, doesn't mean that you know there aren't real problems now. A lot of NBA players are getting coronavirus, uh, and at some point, we should probably talk more about uh, just their behavior generally as a group. Not every single player, obviously, but just uh, the rate of infection of the NBA is, is so high. Uh, I, I forgot what the last count is. It's well over a hundred now players who've gotten coronavirus. And again, a lot of those are, well, they're outside of the team structure, but you know, are, are they living just high, high risk, uh, you know, lives amid this pandemic and why and what's going on. And you know, it's, it's not yeah, great. I, there is a level of youth with, um, in, just the, the the sense that you're impervious, the sense that this isn't going to hit you that hard. Um, and I think they've been lucky so far that it hasn't hit any player that hard. I mean, they're not in a demographic where there was a high, you know, the younger you are, the more likely you are to recover. You barely even know you had the disease. And so, you know, I mean, more that, power that, to them. But I mean, that it's, is... It's, that is the the science, you know. Young people, healthy people, they are uh, less likely to have uh, severe outcomes from this. That's not my concern. My concern is the spread. If you get coronavirus, you can spread it to somebody else who is not in that uh, lower yeah. risk demographic. That that's where the real concern is. Right, and that applies to coaches. That applies to some people around staff and teams, but it also certainly a prize to family and the league has been hit that way. I mean, Carol Anthony Towns lost his mother, other, other, and uh, other people around him. And he is not the only player who has lost people to this disease. Um, but I'm not sure it hits home. I'm not sure. And by the way, in the ultimate end for the NBA, you can tighten up the restrictions for a few weeks. You can look at your protocols, but at the end of the day, you knew that this was coming, and by the way, you started this season before Christmas, and you're ending it before the Olympics because that's what the TV networks wanted. You want to make as much money as you can, get fans back when you can and it's safe, but get through this season, get into the fall, and hope that when you restart the games in October, you can have full buildings and it's back to the new normal, whatever we're going to call it, but back to a traditional schedule, back to a traditional system, and just power through the season. And at that point... For fear of the league, you just keep moving forward. You just keep your head down and find a way to make this work. I mean, like it or not, the NBA has found a way to keep this sufficiently safe to continue the money-making operation. You might not like it. You might say it's not safe enough for your taste, but it's safe enough to keep going. Like, they're proving that. Yeah, exactly. The majority of games, a Thursday night, there tonight there are, there's actually none. There's no postponements tonight. I probably jinxed it by saying that, but. Uh, as of this taping, there were no postponements on Thursday night. Uh, Friday has or Friday already has some, and and we'll see how it goes through the weekend. But again, I think I don't think that they're going. I just don't think they can stop. I just don't think they can. And I know that the NBA isn't the only people people thinking. The NHL thinking is exactly the same. We're starting. They started the season last night. Get through this season. Make as much money as we can, and get back on track next year. And of course, that's obviously that's also why expansion talk is finally live dan is that these teams are looking at a huge cash influx to cover the owners are like man suddenly it doesn't sound so bad splitting that pie up farther if i can get a huge cash influx to cover my losses over over the last couple of years yeah i mean that this is what it took it, it was only a matter of time until there was uh you know something where where the yeah. profits 
quite as high. I mean, that there are fluctuations for whatever reason. Obviously, coronavirus is the big one right now. And yeah, it was always bound to to take that. And, you know, if all goes well for the league, you know, yes, each team will probably for quite a while get a smaller amount when you're splitting it by 32 rather than 30, assuming a expansion happens. Not a guarantee that it will or anything. We're just for purpose of our discussion here. Uh but there's got to be some hope, too, that 32 teams can create a bigger pie than 30 did. And, you know, maybe the two new teams don't add, you know, more than their fair share, but maybe they do. Like, that, there's yeah. got to be some hope of that. And, by the way, there's a sense that, that because ratings have been up and down, that the next television deal will be smaller. Don't. That's not what we're seeing out there. And I'll just say that when you start to mix in streaming rights and, and future broadcast rights, it... it it evolves. The next television deal is probably going to be pretty lucrative, but it's also going to be a lot more about other ways to get younger viewers games than the model is shifting, Dan, the model of you sitting at home watching one game on your one television is just not how, not how basketball is going to be consumed in 10 years. And frankly, not how football or baseball or hockey or anything else is going to be consumed. And everybody's trying to adapt. I think the league is, the NBA is probably more prepared for that and has to be because of their demographic being younger, but they're more prepared for that. And that's what you're going to see in the next television deal. You're going to start to see the evolution towards, I mean, those big broadcasts are still going to bring in the money for a while, but the evolution is going to start to get intense towards the streaming systems. Right. And, and there are questions about, you know, how to make money off those and how much money there is to be made off yeah. of those, right? Just because it's different and maybe even more people watching doesn't mean the, the money's the same. It's complicated. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a question. And I think you're, I'll tell you that this works really well with the Premier League and it works really well with the NBA. Those, there's a lot of people who don't watch a game, but then go to YouTube or, or YouTube does this with the, uh, Premier League, we, NBC does it with the Premier League. Those 10-minute highlights of a soccer match do stupid well. Do You'd be surprised how well those highlights packages do. And I imagine that this is much the same. I've been told it's kind of much the same for the NBA. There's a lot of people who aren't going to sit through the entire Lakers-Grizzlies game, but they'll watch the seven-minute highlight package. Yeah, I mean, the NBA in a lot of ways is still very popular. It's a it's a great starting point. You got you got to figure yeah. some things out as the landscape changes. But as long as people are still interested in your product, you got a chance. The NBA culture, the NBA game is still very popular. How you're going to just the model for which we base the entire league's finances is television wise is certainly evolving. That is just something that's changing, but. That doesn't mean it's necessarily less or worse. It just means it's not going to be the same, Dan. And and we, I can be an old fogey sports writer and complain about that, but I just I don't I don't know why. It's just that's it is what it is. I don't my my daughters do not consume media in the same way my wife and I do. And my wife and I, my kids think it. Stranger Things will come out with Stranger, you know, the next season whenever they get to that. My kids will stay up all night and binge it in one night and they think the idea that my wife and I watch like one episode a night or two episodes maybe on a crazy night and it takes us a week or two to get through them is just stupid so <laughs> um it's going to be different I don't think we can binge an NBA season though that's that seems impractical uh we're trying anyway right now though 
<laughs> we are trying. Thanks a lot for doing this, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully, with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. You can find Dan and I's work at NBC Sports. Dan is all over Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. I'm, I'm at Basketball Talk. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Pro Basketball Talk podcast at NBC Sports. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.